Welcome to the Aussie Nerds Podcast. I'm Daniel, and this week we have the unofficial Hellboy sequel that made the Oscars say, oh shit, we accidentally had the fish movie win. Maybe we should <laughs> vote for Green Book. Check of water. With Harry. Hi, Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you for having, me, for having me on the show and talking about one of my favourite movies. I can see why this is your favourite movie. It's very... It's very interesting. It's delightful. It has, uh, it has a chill vibe with, mm. with just like, we're going to tell this fairy tale in the modern day, I think. Mm. Is it the modern day? Definitely not. No, it's, no, it's the, like the 50s. 50s. Yeah. Um, but what I, I meant that it was made in the modern day. But it, the 70s ah, so sure. and Guillermo del Toro has a thing for monsters, doesn't he? He definitely does. Uh, okay, so, out of all the movies that exist ever, why is this one your favourite? Um, again, it's one of my favourites. <clears throat> I, I understand not committed to it. Yeah, yeah, not sure if I have a favourite movie just yet. <coughs> Sorry, pardon me. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to be sneezing. Uh, for the record, I'm going to be editing out a lot of sneezing for this episode, or a cold. Anyway, what are your favourites? Um, yeah, I think it's, I don't know, when I first saw it, I didn't think like, oh my God, this is one of the best movies ever. And I was so happy when it won Best Picture. Um, I think that I was probably watching it just before the Oscars in preparation. That's what I do every single year. Uh, it was only when uh, me and John did it on, uh, on Beyond the Box Set, our podcast. Uh, that's when suddenly I was like, oh my God, this film is just fantastic. I... I had so much fun re-watching it again. And yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you just get that feeling, you know, that just like this is definitely one of my top five movies. I and had that, I had that with, um, with some of my favourites. Like some of them, I'm just like, oh, this is definitely there. And the others, I'm just like, I actually want to see that again. Mm. Yeah. And this one, it surprised me. It came out of the blue as, as being one of my favourites. But I don't know, I couldn't quite place it. Just perhaps all, all the... The little details to it, just like the feeling of the movie, just everything all added together, the sum of all its parts. It's just fantastic. It's such a vision. It's Guillermo uh, del Toro. Uh, am I pronouncing his name right? Yeah, yeah. Sweet. So Guillermo del Toro has a thing for monsters and like mm. making monsters normal. And he's like, okay, is it the same guy that played Abe, Abe Sapien? Mm, I don't know. I I don't know, but he looks exactly like Abe Sapien, more or less. So this is a prequel to Hellboy set in the 50s by the same director starring Abe Sapien about his love life. <laughs> um, well, if you're, if you're talking about the person who played the, the fish monster in this, it's Doug Jones. Yeah, who... Doug Jones also played Abe. Oh, okay. Well, I guess it is then. Yeah. Um, yeah, who more recently he plays uh, Saru on Star Trek Discovery. I I can't have another streaming service. I, it might be on Netflix here, I'm not sure. Mm. But um, is Star Trek Discovery, you've been watching it, is it good? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've uh, finished both seasons. 
yeah, it's uh, it's not perfect. Not much. Um, it's yeah, it's certainly it's certainly not my favorite TV show. Not even my favorite Star Trek TV show, but it is a good time. Yeah. Okay. Good. So Doug Jones, uh, he's the guy for prosthetics. The same one, like uh, the guy who's great at CGI monsters. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I forget who what who what his name is, but he played Caesar, and he's just done a bunch of CGI monsters. Oh, Andy Circus. Yeah, Andy Circus. Uh, it's mm. the CGI. What Doug Jones is for practical. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Actually, yeah, I like that. Uh, I really like um, this movie. I, I was like, it's got a very simple um, villain. It's just like he's, it's um, it's what I call hate sink. It's like there's nothing mm. redeeming him. You just hate him, and that's yes. fine. Yeah. I that's that's one of this movie's strong points, I believe, is the villain in this is just so villainous. And that's that's his entire character. It's just fantastic. The um the modern day need to make villains relatable can go the other mm-hmm. way and it's just like, well, who's the bad guy for this? Like uh mm-hmm. the remake of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. That version of Gaston, it's just like, well, you've made him so relatable that he's just as flawed as the beast is. <laughs> and it's just like why why should I care? And, and yeah, this, so, mm. and this he's just like I'm going to have sex with you, and I'm going to have like a bleeding hand thing, and it's like just. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you can in this film he's written so well that like, you can see his motivation, but it's not quite um, relatable. Is not quite the right the right word, but like it's not like oh yeah, I would do the same in that situation. But you can understand his character. Like, he's got pressure from above to, you know, to do well and do well in his job and make lots of money and, and uh, you know, do well by his family. And he's so evil that he's doing, he's doing the most evil. He, he's taking the most evil route to to achieve his goals, and he's enjoying himself while he's doing it at times. And yeah, um, I just, that's why he's great. He, he's so good. I like the um, I predicted uh, about halfway through that she was going to turn into a fish. Um, did yeah, she? I, 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 never, I never got it until at the very end. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, I feel bad for not, not working that out earlier. So <laughs> she's, um, she's mute mm-hmm. uh, because of an injury. She's a, she was adopted by a possibly gay, I, I, didn't, I think he was. But he was, she was adopted by a gay man who's that's he's um an old man and it's the 50s, so you know, that's that's something that they still needed to hide. It's all it's about outsiders, I guess. She's got a disability, he's gay, the other guy's a fish. <laughs> um yeah, I guess. Uh I, I never got the impression that he was that uh, he adopted her. I just thought that they were they were just neighbors. They're just good friends. He he seemed to be taking care of her uh, a lot. It may not have yeah. been like an official adoption, but it's just like uh, well, we are both outsiders. Let me take mm. care of you and stuff. I got the impression that she was taking care of him as well at times. It was a definitely yeah, a back like, and forth. Yeah, like literally, she makes breakfast for him, and she's you know there help, helping him with his art and his. Um, and, it, and his interests and stuff, and yeah, they're both supporting each other through life because that's what they need. It's... Um, I, I, I loved Richard Jenkins' character. He, it was just fantastic. He was so, so sweet. 
all the performances uh, in this were amazing. I loved when she has that dream sequence. Oh, yeah. Talk and she's singing and it's a great musical number. It's just, oh, it's so good. And the fact that she's struggling to sing, mm-hmm. it's just, ah, oh, I love it. I really love this movie. I, <laughs> I was just, when I finished it, I'm just like, oh, that was, a, that was a fun, nice movie. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, my God. Mm. It's so great. Good. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it that much. Uh, I would not have seen this if you were if you didn't recommend it. Yeah. Have you got a uh, a favorite character then? Um, I I forget what her name is, but the main um the neat woman in it. Uh, the actor is Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins. Does she have a character name? Uh, yeah, uh, Eliza. Eliza. I love I love Eliza. Mm. I think she's very sweet. I love her best friend. Octavia Spencer, uh, Zelda. Yeah, she's uh, yeah. she's great. She's just Octavia like, Spencer is a fantastic actor and so underused. She plays um, the best friend a lot. Yeah, she plays the best friend or like the cleaner or you know generally just the help, as was made made a joke of in this film. And you know she's well known from anyway. Yeah. I I love when she's talking about how she had sex with the with um Abe. And I'm just going to call him Abe because that's funny. Um, and she's like, but does he like have a penis? And she's just <laughs> got her head and it opens up. And it's just like, yeah. Uh, that's what David Spencer's good at. Just those reaction shots. Like, I love the, uh, the, the sentence when Octavia Spencer's like, I can clean poo. I, I can clean poo all day, but like, all this blood, no, no, no. And just the way she delivers it, it's just great. She's just such a, great actor and she should be in more things there is a film coming out um in a few weeks i think or maybe a month or two called ma i don't know if you've seen a trailer for uh, it i haven't i'll check, look into it what's it about definitely look it up octavia spencer is uh is this this woman in a town who just loves partying but for people who are underage and so she's just hosting all these parties going to all these parties and like an in the trailer at least. Initially she's like this really cool person who's like, yeah, have all this free booze and you know, um, you know, just have a party in my basement, but don't go upstairs. And then people like go upstairs, whatever, after a while. And like all hell breaks loose. And I think Octavia Spencer is like a serial killer or something. The film looks insane. Oh, and I, I know that you have a similar um interest in films to um to me and John in general. Yeah. Is, I can disagree with you this, at points. This one is our new The Favourite. Oh, really? Yeah, as in how much we're looking forward to it. Well, I can't look forward to much uh, more than I was looking forward to The Favourite because a period piece but about royal, the royal family uh, with gay characters was just like, were you, were you reading my fan fiction? <laughs> yeah, but so... I, uh, I really like uh, this. I really like that the normal relationship, like the the 1950s idea of a normal relationship was just totally abusive and shitty. And this yeah. weird one between her and a fish uh, was so romantic. It was yeah. romantic and sweet. And I love it. I love when she flooded the bathroom. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That scene is, is it's great because it's, it's the most ridiculous part of the movie, but at the same time, it's just like, this, this is just great. I love, I'm just, this is just so sweet. And 
romantic and everything. And yeah, when Richard Jenkins opens the door and you know they're they're there just like embracing each other, it's like that is oh that, the fact that he's just like ah I see well <laughs> bye yeah um, <clears throat> what did you what did you think of uh, Michael Stolberg's character, which is the uh, the uh, Dr. Robert Hofstadter, the uh, the Russian guy? Uh, he's the guy that's like, you need to put the this salt in the bathtub mm. and stuff. I liked him. I the good scientist. The good scientist. I like the good scientist. You need a good scientist to balance mm. out the bad scientist or the military guy or whatever he was. I I really like him. I I can't believe that like he was the only one that thought maybe we shouldn't kill someone that looks exactly like a human but is a fish. It was a tad unrealistic that it was just the one person who was trying to save him really from from the lab. But I guess again it's it's all just a fairy story. So you have the one villain who's as evil as evil can be. You've got the good guy who's you know caught up in something else. You've got the you've got the relationship. You've got you've got a couple of best friends, um, and then they lived happily ever after. It's most, very much a once upon a time they lived happily ever after film. The most unrealistic thing is that they could have sex underwater. <laughs> That's uh, your problem with this. I don't have a problem with it, but you're like it's unrealistic <laughs> that there could be only one person. But I'm like we we're dealing with fish sex, so like mm. it all balances out. Yeah, but like. If if he's a fish monster, then you know w- whatever he's got down there, maybe it's it's working perfectly. It's, it's it's designed to work underwater. So having sex underwater, maybe it is perfectly possible with a fish monster. Have you tried it? Only once. <laughs> I I forgot my snorkel. Uh, <laughs> Great. I'm not going to ask any further questions. I am such an idiot. <laughs> I um, I really did like this movie. It's very sweet. It's very simple. Like mm-hmm. it, it's very straightforward and simple. And sometimes you know you want that. This is a great afternoon movie. Like got my tea. Uh, I'm sitting down. Got find a movie. I know this fairy tale. Mm. And I I like that. I I think it's very very sweet. And I really appreciate how well it is. Guillermo del Toro has a thing for monsters. It made me want to see the rest of his filmography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. Actually, to be fair, like I've seen Pan's Labyrinth, but quite a, quite a while ago, I don't really remember it, um, and I've not seen any of the Hellboys. So, oh, yeah, Hellboy, really Hellboy one uh, is pretty fun, very straightforward. It's Deadpool before Deadpool was a thing, right? Uh, it's very winky, and uh, it's got John Hurt in it. And oh, yeah. after the after Doctor Who Beef with Vendetta in 1984, I'm just like I'm just gonna watch anything that he's ever done. Mm. He's so he was so great as Hellboy's dad, and you and then the sequel. Have I seen the sequel? I don't think I have, but I heard that it's bigger and it's uh, more goofy. Mm. So depends on which one you like more. Depends on your style. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, so back to Shape of Water. Sure. Uh, what, what did you think of? What did you think of the the score, the the, the music in this? Oh, 
Okay, so they're all the romantic scenes, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, we know it's romantic. Look at our music. And then it, was, it just fits so well. It felt like fairy tale music. Like, yeah, mm. no, you can listen to this while falling asleep. We know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very gentle and, um, and fits the mood of the movie very well. You have, mm-hmm. you have the score with the villains, which is much harsher. And then it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, the one with the normal relationship is fucked. Yeah, hate the, I'm Toro. I hate normal. <clears throat> yeah, the score in this is one of my favourite points of the movie. It definitely is. Like it, it won an Oscar, and deservedly so. It's one of my favourite scores of all time. Um, it's it perfectly sums up the movie. You hear it, and you just feel the mood that that scene is trying to convey, and it, it just does it so well. I've never tried this, but I feel like if you listen to this score without reading the titles and without knowing the film, you could get the feel of each scene. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. I know. I need to test it with something. I'm probably going to test it with Lord of the Rings because I've never mm-hmm. seen Lord of the Rings. Uh, so I might listen to the score first just to see what happens. That'd be interesting, yeah. yeah. That's a good score. Yeah. I, um, I really, really like this movie. I cannot emphasize enough how much I like this movie. It's so sweet and kind and and uh, pretty. It's so pretty. Underwater shots, and then uh, when they're underwater, it's just like I know this is great. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Um, now I think my favorite part of this movie is just the attention to detail because it is so high. Like Gimel Toro put in so much effort into this. He must have given it everything. Um, There's just so many little things. Like, right at the start, there's a point where she gets on the bus to go to work, and just sitting next to her at the bus stop is just a man holding a cake with, like, a single slice taken out of it. And the man has just got a massive smile on his face, (laughs) and he just gets up and gets on the bus and goes and sits down in the back with his cake, and he's all smiley and happy. And it means nothing. Like, it's it's a film full of nothing, because there's so many just bits like that. Um, that's just like we know we know it doesn't uh, doesn't do anything for the plot but who cares look at that guy he had a fucking yeah. cake <laughs> yeah <clears throat> I missed that bit I want to go back and watch that scene oh it's so it's, like you, you'd never notice it unless well no I guess it, it's, it's not pointed out in any way it's yeah uh, that's so cool I love attention to detail I love the little things that like we know it doesn't matter well, we're going to focus mm. on it anyway because I'm Guillermo del Toro. I'm going to mm-hmm. win an Oscar by accident with a fish yeah. movie. They won't see yeah. it. And, well, it, it clearly worked out because he won Best Director in the Oscars as well as obviously Best Picture. So, yeah. I can't believe this one Best Picture. Not because it's not great, but because the Oscars are boring. It's just like... Well, it, this one did tick off a couple of boxes. <laughs> one of the boxes. Uh, Hollywood... It, they they live under uh, above a movie theater. Yes, there's that. So they they, they yeah paid homage to, to to older cinema. So that's that's a big one. Um, another big one is they had a gay character um, who was oppressed. They had black characters who were oppressed. So like two of the ones who came into the the pie shop that was just very on the nose. Yeah, and, and it's just, just like, like well, we thought we. We, we talked about racism. Great. That's, that's that one done. Um, and the, Os- the Oscars love that stuff. You're right. This feels, you're right. This feels like Oscar bait. 
so mm. that they can sneak in a fish sex movie. <laughs> I want to win an Oscar with my fish sex movie. So I'm going to make an Oscar bait as well mm -hmm. and trick everyone into liking this movie. Yeah. I mean, I think they could have, they, they, they could have absolutely done it without having um, the man in the pie shop just be blatantly racist because you've got, <clears throat> um, you've got Michael Shannon as the main villain also being racist in a, in a, in a more subtle way. I mean, it's not subtle, but it's more subtle <laughs> than that. Um, yeah, and like, I, I didn't really feel like it, it, it needed it massively to, to, to make the film any better. Maybe I, it wouldn't have won Best Picture, but maybe it still would. Like, I definitely believe it should have. Well, it definitely should have, but like mm. all that stuff is part of the movie. So yeah. if they changed it, then it'd be a different movie. Well, yeah. Probably be weirder, if you see <laughs> that weirder. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I love the, there's a scene in it, there's tons of scenes, there's a scene in it where he, he eats a cat. Oh dear, yeah. And I'm just like, I don't care how great you are in underwater sex, if my boyfriend ever ate a cat, I'm going to be like, well, you're out. Mm. I, I loved uh, Richard Jenkins' uh, sort of reaction to that, just like, oh no, you ate Pandora! And then... Like the next scene, it's just not a problem at all. He said. And, uh, and, he said that he was a wild animal or something. Yeah, like the the stuff like that. And then as soon as he comes back, uh, like the, the fish monster is just playing with the cats, you know, like stroking the cats and stuff. And no, you would never let that let, no. let that fish monster anywhere near your cats again. Yeah. Like I get, I got the impression that Rich Jenkins, like his cats were his friends, not just pets. Yeah. Like. He seemed like he seemed very lonely. Yeah, nobody has more than two cats, and they're not extremely close to all of them. And she turns into um, she turned into a fish at the end. So the only person he's not left is the, are those cats. I reckon that him and Octavia Spencer would uh, form a bit of a friendship over over these events. That's true, Octavia Spencer. I just want to be her friend, not the character, just the actress. She seems awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she is. Um, she's got a really interesting career, like the, the thing she's been in or hasn't been in. Um, we were watching, uh, me and John on the episode, <clears throat> on the podcast, we did a film called Drag Me to Hell. Um, I've heard of it, haven't seen it yet. Don't know if you've seen it. It's by the guy who directed the first three Spider-Man movies. I've forgotten his name Sam now. Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi, thank you. Um, and uh, it's weird because it's only a couple of years before Octavia Spencer won her Oscar for The Help. Uh, and uh, there's a bit in Drag Me to Hell where just in the background you see an extra who's blurred out, like she's not even in focus in the shot, but it is very definitely Octavia Spencer. And it's weird that she's just a background blurred out extra a couple of years before winning that Oscar. And like she's been in a few Sam Raimi films, like she, she appears in Spider-Man, um, the first Spider-Man. She's the one who uh, lets Peter Parker into the boxing ring, you know, takes his name down on the register. That's really cool. Um, yeah. Um, you, Sam Raimi is a really interesting director because he's just like, oh, you want me to uh, uh, direct all these Spider-Man movies? All right, but I'm going to make them horror. I'm going to make a scene where Spider-Man has to like, fight a bunch of those uh, goblin things and they're going to cut him up and it's going to be awful. And it's just <laughs> like, all right, you are literally the best director we can find at the moment. <laughs> well, I mean, say what you will, those Spider-Man films did well. I love the, I love all of them. 
I love yeah. all three of those motherfuckers. I even like the third one, even though it's dumb as hell. You know <laughs> what? Me too. I like that third Spider-Man as well. It's can by itself fun. By itself, probably doesn't stand up that well, but like to round off a trilogy, it I I, I think it works really well. And it's it good. has Bruce Campbell's best scene. Where yeah. the guy with the ring and he's just like, Oh god, this is my life. And it's all back and forth of of Peter Parker bring telling the bring in the ring and being like, No, no. Yeah. <laughs> the best. I love that. Yeah. Uh, fish sex though. Shape of Water, uh <laughs> an interesting movie there's, there's not much to talk about um because it's very simple mm-hmm. um so quick fire round right now uh favorite scene um favorite scene probably uh it's either when michael shannon the bad guy rips his fingers off oh. in front in front of octavia spencer Oh, he's so disgusting. What happened to those fingers? I know they got he's, shot off, but why are they, like, all black and crap? Because the surgeon uh, sewed them back on and said, like, they might take, they might not, and they didn't take, so they're, they're essentially just rotting flesh on his hand, sewed to his hand. That's... Um, it, oh, that, that's awful. And it just makes the worst sex scene in movie history. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. When, he, when she's like you're bleeding and he's like shush and then just covers their mouth with the gross bleeding hair. It's just the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, yep, it's... so disgusting. He's a disgusting monster. So yeah, my favourite scene is either when he rips off, rips, rips his fingers off or later on when he shoots up the good doctor um, in the rain. Oh, God. I, it's, just, it's, just scenes where, it's just scenes where Michael Shannon is so evil. The toilet scene as well. When he's like a man washes his hands before or after, um, you know, uh, tending to his needs, but not that both. is so stupid, and I hate it. Just wash your hands <laughs> after you shit. Oh God, that's worse than him killing someone. He killed the, whoa. He killed the good doctor, and that's that's terrible. But that's normal villain shit. You yep. fucking wash your hands. Gross. I mean. Pretty much everything he says, he should start and finish each sentence with, I'm a villain. <laughs> it's like, it's evil make a bad guy. Yes. It, he might as well have a villain song. But that's what I just love about him. He's just so villainous. You it's great. Hate, I miss hate scenes. I miss the, the Disney villain that has their own villain song. It's just like, mm. I know I'm evil. Listen to me sing about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like... Um, like you have Scar, who's just like, oh, I hate all of you. Let me use Nazi imagery to prove how evil I am. And it's just like, mm-hmm. well, that is pretty evil. And then you have you have Hellfire, Hellfire, which is about sex and rape and murder and fucking terrible. And it's sung by a judge who's obviously a priest. It's just like we need to call him a judge, but we're not going to change the design at all. And we're still going to have it be religious. <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. I know. Oh, God, I love evil bad guys. Yeah. Favourite bad guy? Oh, the, the Judge Turpin is pretty fucking evil. Um, I really like... Um, I really like uh, bad guys that think they're... I don't like bad guys that think they're doing good things. I, Thanos is pretty good as a mm. bad guy because he's successful. But he's just like, I am doing good for the world. I am going to change the resources. And it's going to be great because I'm going to wipe out half of the universe and going to save the planet. 
that's fine, but six other movies have that same plot. Where I'm going to yeah. kill people to save the people. I'm like, oh, who gives a fuck? Uh, yeah. my, my favorite villain, though, uh, and he's on a poster on my wall, it's Khan from Rafa Khan. Mm, nah, I, 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 I never found him particularly well written enough. Why is he your favorite? Because he's just like, Kirk, Kirk's back. Oh, great. I have been plotting this for 20 years. Fuck that guy in particular. Let's do Moby Dick in space. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, sure. He also has long monologues about how stupid Kirk is. Just like, mm-hmm. Kirk, my old friend, I'm going to fucking kill you. So you can float. Be great. I'm going to dance over your corpse. I'm paraphrasing. Well, yes, yeah. But, um, uh, but I like that. Well, who's yours? I think it's actually this guy from Shape yeah. of Water. Makes sense. He's so evil. He's just like disgusting. And the he's point, just so well written. He's so well written. Uh, even though he's like shallow and stuff. But like you, you need shallow. Especially considering that Gamma Tutorial is like, no, monsters are great. Look at how great all these monsters I've created are. Also, I'm going to pr- double down on that by making the human villain more disgusting than the fish sex monster. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, he is gross. <laughs> yeah well I mean they uh, maybe it was supposed to be sort of shining a light on how awful humans are sometimes and that we're not always the best thing uh, the best thing is something else I, what you wouldn't expect I don't know maybe I'm reading too deep into it but it's film film is art you can read as deep as you like into it mm-hmm. I I really really like um oh yeah um I, I like it so much I've forgotten it. But I really like that, how normal this relationship is and how accepting her friend is of it. It's just like, oh, mm-hmm. you're having sex with a fish man. All right, cool. Let's just- Like bo- both of her friends are super accepting of it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, they're like, it's like, oh. The first time, I forget his name, but the first time he sees, uh, he sees Abe, he's just like, oh, he is gorgeous. Mm. It's just like, oh my god, two people have the hots for this fish. <laughs> it is really good. Yeah. Um, even though it's destined to be known as the fish sex movie for its entire life. So, what's wrong with that? Well, the, the one that made fish sex okay. <laughs> uh, the problem is that co- that's something being known as the fish sex movie means that people that li- will like it won't see it. Like me. I, was, mm. I didn't see it until you told me to. I just made fun of it like everyone else did. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is so good, though. I can't believe... Th- my favourite part is that they that the Oscars were like, oh, my God, we accidentally gave the Oscar to a fish sex movie. Let's give our uh, the best picture to one of the most boring, basic, and shitty movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Like, that'll, be, that'll make up for it. Mm-hmm. This movie, I guarantee if this movie didn't win best picture... Green Book wouldn't have won the best picture and then the world would be a better place. Do you think that's how the Oscars work? That it kind of alternates between good films and safe films? I think that uh, with uh, with the past few years, they've been just been like, all right, let's 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 focus on these films. Let's build up our repertoire. And then they're, and they're like, oh no, we actually going to get into the fish sex movie. Pull it back, pull it back. We need to, oh, Green Book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hi, Green Book. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's what happened. That's an exact quote from everyone that uh, went for it. 
I think you're probably right. Um, I don't trust the Oscars. I never have. The fact that they gave it, that they accidentally awarded the um, Shape of Water Best Picture uh, is the most interesting thing that they've ever done because they regret it so much. I'm just looking through. So the list, as it currently stands, is Green Book in 2018, Shape of Water 2017. Then it was Moonlight. Which, Got off Moonlight. Oh, it's so yeah. cool. <clears throat> uh, Spotlight, which feels like more of a like, yeah, we probably should give it to this one over Mad Max Fury Road or something. I like, um, the, I like the way Mad Max was uh, made, but if it won Best Picture, I'd be like, really? All right, cool. I liked it, but still. Sure. And then like the year before that was Birdman, which is like, yeah, here's a weird film. We'll, we'll, we'll give it to a weird film. And then the year before that, 12 Years a Slave. Here's one we probably should give it to. I, it, um, um, with Birdman, it, it feels like, well, we did give it to a superhero movie. We gave it to Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't, uh, I'll probably talk about Birdman. It's probably someone's favorite movie. But the fact that they got Michael Keaton to be Birdman, the actor who played Birdman back in the uh, back in the nineties, mm-hmm. and then um, did a few, did two uh, movies, and then regretted, it, and then his career went downhill for a bit. It's just mm-hmm. genius. Mm, yeah, yeah, it worked really well, and obviously it worked quite well for for him because now his career is back on track. Exactly, it's such a great metatextual thing about our movie. Mm. I, anyway, you save that for your Birdman episode. I, I will. I really like this movie. I'm trying to find stuff to talk about it, though, because it's really simple. Who's your favourite character? Um, my favourite character, either Richard Jenkins or Michael Shannon. So either, either the, the, the gay neighbour or, or the bad guy. I think probably the bad guy. I'm, I, I, know, I know we keep circling back to him, but... Yeah. He is really, really evil. And it's just like, she has two supportive people in her life. Uh, one, her boss, I love when she cuts in line and it's just, and she's like, shut up, it's fine. Yeah, it's my way. Yep. Uh, I, I really like her best friend. Um, I like that she clocked out for her because obviously she would. I love mm-hmm. when we see her husband and he, she's like, what the fuck have you done? I hate you. You're such a coward and a dumbass. Again, mm-hmm. paraphrasing, but she might as well have said it. I, yeah, I do like how her husband is just so nonchalantly just like sitting there, not really caring about anything. And, you know, he's got nothing going on for him. And she's just, she's in the middle of a whole adventure and he's just completely unaware. I liked that. It was, it was nice. It, it feels like um, Gamma Dottoro was like, yes, normal relationships suck. I'm going to have the relationship between uh, this girl and a fish man. uh, And that will be the best one in the movie. And I'm going to show you because this guy who's also in a relationship is evil. And this guy is a dumbass. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, so good. (laughs) I I love her. Was she in Hidden Figures? Octavia Spencer, yes. Yeah, I thought so. I haven't seen Hidden Figures in a while. Yeah, that's that's a great one. She's very... She's very, um, she's very sassy. She's very self-confident. She's super, super funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's, oh, it's so good. Oh, God, I love this podcast because I'm like, I haven't seen that. I'm going to see it. And I'm like, oh, my God, 
But what do you love this movie? It's great about doing podcasts is you you get forced to watch a lot of films that you wouldn't normally watch. Yeah. I, I saw, or that you'd be meaning to. Yeah, I saw Old Boy uh, for this and that was weird and fun. And well, I still don't know if I like that movie. Yeah. I, I went into it with uh, Paul from uh, One Good Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, was, that was interesting. This one, I feel like it should be weirder than it is. Mm. It's like, it's known as the fish sex movie and like that seems very normal. Well, yeah, it takes weird things and makes them normal. And it takes normal things like, you know, having the most normal family in the world in the 50s and making that weird. It really turns everything on its head. Um, I, it's, uh, Guillermo del Toro is such an interesting director. Like, even, I feel like even if I don't like one of his movies, I'm still going to be like, but it's made by Guillermo del Toro. So it's <laughs> interesting. I, I want to see, I want to see Labyrinth. Um, I want to see Pan's Labyrinth. I accidentally watched Labyrinth, which was also good, because I thought that it mm. was Pan's Labyrinth. I was like, <laughs> very oh, different. David Bowie's in this. I love Labyrinth. It's very fun. And David Bowie is the best thing to happen to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he was in The Prestige, and it's just like, how do we have an entrance for David Bowie? I know, fucking lightning. Yep. This, this is so good. The music, the characters, the story is very simple. Very, and I feel like we're circling around the same point. So I feel like we are as well. Yeah. So, uh, what else about this movie stands out to you? I think we've covered most of it, really. Yeah. Um, this is. This yeah, is I mean, like I said, the, the 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 music, the characters, the writing, the acting, the directing, just everything, really. But I guess that's the, that's that's the point of this podcast, really. You you. Pick your favorite movies, and so you're probably gonna like every every aspect of it. I and I really like it. I just wish that it was more complicated, so that we could talk for like an hour or so. But yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but but it's your favorite movie. It's very simple. It's an easy watch. It's just not gonna take us long to cover everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, who did the score? Uh, the score. Uh, let me have a quick look. Do, do, do. The score was by Alexandra Desplat. Um, I'm maybe mispronouncing his surname. Um, let's see. He's done the King's Speech, Argo, the Queen, Philomena. Um, that's the, his top four on IMDb. A lot of Oscar movies or Oscar type movies. Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. I, it took me forever to realize that Isle of Dogs meant I love dogs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. When I realized that way too late, I'm just like, I did not see that. Someone had to point that out to me. That was annoying. I hate that movie. I haven't even seen it. I yeah, this guy does a lot of Wes Anderson stuff as well. <clears throat> and just a lot of... Actually, he just does a lot of stuff. <laughs> I think that unlike directors and actors and whatever, uh, people that do score can do like six movies at once. Oh, we did Harry Potter. Really? Well, you oh. did at least Death- Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. I'm not sure if you did all the Harry Potter stuff, but I think um, the guy who does all the scores, uh, Williams. John Williams. Yeah, John, Williams John Williams at least did the first one. He might have done the first two. Yeah, looking at it, this guy definitely didn't do any, any other Harry Potters. Um, I, asked, oh, I could swear it was like David Horner or something that did Harry Potter. John Williams definitely did the first one. I don't know. Yeah, but there's like eight of those movies, so yeah, he probably didn't do all of them. But he did invent Hedwig's scene, and that's just a great thing. We are definitely off topic again. 
Oh, it was John Williams. You're right. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this movie is oh. great. I wish that we had more to talk about it with. Yeah. To talk about it. Um, so, since we don't, sequel ideas. Ah. Oh, um, oh, I'm trying to remember exactly what I did on Beyond the Box set. So, I think I, I mean, I, I could actually, I, I could look at my notes actually. Just give me a quick <laughs> second. Shape of water. Okay, I did, oh, I did a prequel. Um, Oh, it's long. Oh, I'm not going to go through that. Uh, Don't bother. Well, essentially, I kind of crossed it over with a little mermaid. Nice. You, you and made, so, made a little mermaid. yeah, and it's and well, actually, I made um, the main character, what's uh, her face, uh, Liza. Um, I made her the Little Mermaid, but she doesn't realise it. She doesn't remember her childhood, and it is mentioned in the film. She doesn't remember her childhood, and that she was found like by a river somewhere so i'm having it that like yeah like she got knocked out or something by a rock and was washed up somewhere forgot all of her childhood was transformed into a human when she stepped ashore or maybe no sorry ursula's plan worked out correctly that was it and so ursula stole her voice um transformed her into a human um and a lot of things lined up quite nicely to be honest uh so well um tell them about your podcast so yeah, for the for the full idea, um, which I go into much more detail and tell it much better, um, that's over on the Beyond the Box Set podcast, which is a podcast I run with my co-host John. Every week we pitch prequels, sequels, or spin-offs to films that don't have any. Um, I believe you, you've you've guessed it on on it. Yeah, I I did Wolf Children. The hell? Oh, that was it. I wanted to. Do, <laughs> that was fun. I wanted yeah. to do Oliver, but you're just but uh, John was like. I, we need one with wolves. And I'm just like, okay, here's one of my favorite movies ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you can find Beyond a Box Set on uh, all good podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you like to listen to your podcasts, we're there. Um, you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just search Beyond the Box Set. I wish that we could have talked about this longer. It's yeah. such a great movie, but it's also very simple and straightforward. Yeah. Um, if you want to follow me, subscribe to this podcast. I'm on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify. I think that's it. I'm also on Letterboxd. Uh, if you want to follow me there, I log in all of my uh, films that I've seen. I've seen 1,200 and something at this point, so that's fun. I also, Whoa. I know. I also make, <laughs> I make lists. I have uh, my top 10 favorite movies. So if you want to be on this podcast, and your favorite movie is on my top 10 list. I do accept bribes in the mm-hmm. form of movies to talk about. <laughs> uh, you can go to Twitter uh, at Aussie Nerds Pod. Uh, you can find my Facebook page, Aussie Nerds. Um, and that's it. It was fun. I, I really like this movie. I wish that we had more to talk about, but we don't. So let's not force it. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Daniel. It's uh, it's been it's been a great time. It's, it was it was great fun. Um, I want to be back on your podcast because I have been uh, thinking of a, a sequel to Oliver for ages. Mm-hmm. So we got to do that at some point. That'll be fun. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it. We'll uh, we'll definitely get you back on soon. All right. I just wanted to jump in to let you guys know 
that Harry is also part of a podcast called Two Geeks, Two Movies. And we recorded one together for The Shape of Water and Hellboy, because I declare them to be the same movie, sort of. Links to everything, of course, will be in the description. Um, but until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.